to a serious one. Yeah. Yeah. So joining you live from the World Championship 2023 in Barcelona, the Living Legend Podcast. <laughs> All right, thumbs up. Let's do this. How's it going, everyone? And welcome back to oh, the Living Legends man. podcast, your weekly Flesh and Blood podcast where we talk about all aspects of the Flesh and Blood trading card game. Here at the end of the year, we have a very fun episode for you all. We're going to be going over our top five favorite Flesh and Blood cards released in 2023. And of course, I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts. Uh, we'll go reverse order this time, starting off with Bill. Hey, Bill, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing well. I uh, hope everybody had a, a nice and relaxing and uh, pleasant holiday season. Uh, and yeah, I'm excited to talk about sort of almost almost a year in review, but just from uh, the actual cards standpoint, I think it's going to be a good time. Yeah, yeah 100%. And if you missed uh, the last episode, we did more of a year in review where we talked. It was a, it was a holiday episode, right? And we had special guest mm. Ian. Um <laughs> The 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 LSS basement dweller. Um, and oh, yeah. uh, anyway, go go check that episode out if you haven't seen it yet. It was live streamed on Red Zone Rogue, but it also is available now for uh, you podcast audio only listeners. And then, of course, we have last but not least, as Mr. As, how are you doing today? Yeah, not bad actually. Yeah, so um, just uh, before we go into this, a bit of background. So uh, we've delayed this a little bit because I've been out. Uh, it's Boxing Day currently in the UK, uh, as the UK calls it, the 26th of December, the day after Christmas. And I've just been out because uh, my mum plays in a uh, plays in a covers band. So it's her birthday today on Boxing Day, and she normally makes a big thing out of it. So I've just got back from uh, from that, which is uh, which was a good time. Sang a little bit of uh, Sex on Fire by Kings of Leon. Uh, I always get invited up onto stage to do a little bit of that song, because it's always a good one. Uh, you got to have yeah, some like really cool. good vocals to do that song too, man. Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah yeah i've really belt it out it's uh yeah it's a nice <laughs> one to do um but yeah so uh yeah we're gonna be do doing our top five favorite cards today uh and as of uh this list as well and if you've if you've experienced the other lists that we have these could be our top five cards for whatever reason you know it doesn't have to be meta dependent or whatever it's if we like the mechanics if we like the art you know it's it can be a variety of different reasons just to set the set the precedent before we go on yeah, I mean, if you're if you're if you're a Living Legends podcast veteran, you you know the deal. Uh, if you're yeah. new here, well, hey, welcome. Uh, we we are very happy to have you here, and uh, we play it uh, pretty pretty fast and loose here here on the Living Legends <laughs> podcast. Um, but it's all in the sake of yeah. good fun, and that's kind of uh, what what really matters to us. So. Um, Unless we have any special uh, week in flesh and blood, we can probably jump into it because I know I don't really have anything. My week has been defined mostly by the holidays and um, doing a bunch of other random card card game stuff that maybe I'll touch on a little bit at the end uh, for the, the Arsenal step. But right now, I don't really have much for the this uh, this bit unless you guys do. Yeah, no, it's same for me. Holidays have uh, been basically where my my week began and ended so <laughs> i think it's true yeah. for a lot of people yeah i mean i'll i did a i did a christmas day stream only because my girlfriend spends a lot of her time at the moment while she can over her nan's house because she's 95 years old um so she spends as much time as much time as possible over over there so i have the house to myself basically on christmas day so i thought why not 
just do a Christmas Day stream where I just wasn't really flesh and blood related, really. It was just getting pissed on stream, uh, like I did in Barcelona. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, flesh and blood. Actually, no, to be fair, I did play a few games on Talashar. So that, you know, that towards the end of the stream, I did play a few games. But, um, but yeah, not, not much for me, really, either. So looking forward to speaking about cards again to a certain degree on this podcast today. So. Yeah. All right. Well, let's speak about some cards. Um, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and start because I'm going to do the most obvious pick of all time uh, until we get to Az's cards and then you'll get even more obvious picks. But uh, I'm going to I'm going to kick it off with um, possibly my favorite card of the year. I'm not sure. This isn't in no particular order, by the way. But um, I figured the easiest way to kick this off would just be to talk about Uzuri. So, um, hey, Uzuri, uh, she's my favorite hero in Flesh and Blood. Um, and I also have like a little bit of personal attachment of being able to spoil the hero, but I'll be completely honest here. Even if I didn't have any of that, uh, she would still be my favorite hero. Um, I, I love everything she does. She's a really fun, tricky assassin hero. Uh, she's actually also quite good, uh, which, which helps a little bit, uh, coming, coming off of Arachne being not, not quite good. Um, uh, still love Arachne, still absolutely love Arachne. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uzuri is my favorite hero in the game, and uh, she's also the first hero that I spoiled, and also she's just incredibly fun. So all of these things together made her like the most obvious pick for me. So um, that's going to be my my number one pick, Uzuri. Also, uh, it is the the only CC Flesh and Blood deck that I have up to date, and that is um, maybe semi-famously my, my almost all foil deck. So it's almost entirely foiled out. So Nice. Yeah. That's that's how you know you really care about the deck when you take the time and effort to to like trick it all out. So, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that's absolutely that's my that's my number one pick. Um, yeah, I love the theme of it as well. So it's assassin. It obviously it plays a lot of mind games with your opponent because you always want to switch things in. You never know what that attack's going to be, and yeah, it's definitely on flavor for assassin. So it was nice to nice to finally get. And obviously, Arachne was cool with regards to sort of banishing cards and going down that mill route, but I think Arachne just needs some extra things, which we are getting in heavy hitters. There's a cool card out for Arachne coming, but yeah, yeah Azuri was mm-hmm. Azuri has obviously put some nice results on on the board um, with her stuff and what she wants to do. And, so, and also Arachne is in the artwork as well, so you do That's see right, a yeah. little bit of Arachne and a little <laughs> bit of Riptide too. So you get like a you get like the the Spider Pits crew kind of uh kind of in there you get to get the whole squad which is which is great um, outsiders great set as we're gonna come to discover on this particular list uh yes um, yeah. spoilers <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of outsiders, um, outsiders all over the place yeah <laughs> all right so who wants to go next I, I didn't actually pick an order for this um if anyone has a, a burning desire to go next you you may uh let's go with as next I'm All interested right. to hear his his picks to see if he picked anything that was not ranger related. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert! Absolutely not. Uh, oh, dang it! <laughs> but but, um, but yeah. So uh, following on from outsiders, yeah. One of one, my first one I'm going to mention is a selection of cards that all do similar things, um, which is one of the go-to buffs for ranger decks now, and that's to lace with cards. So we've got lace with frailty, lace with blood rot, lace with inertia. Um, so these are all fantastic cards because obviously they give you the extra damage, the extra buffs that you need. But as a ranger, as Azalea, 
you want these cascading effects that deal a lot of different debilitating effects to your opponent in tandem with the arrows that you're already firing. So if you're already firing, let's say, an infe infecting shot, that already has on hit attached to it but if you lace it with something else it then gets another on hit effect and those collections of on hit effects from various different arrows whether it's red in the ledger to remorseless if you're lacing it with a blood rot it's extra damage if you're lacing it with an inertia you're going to have card advantage etc so the lace with cards are just perfect buffs for buffing up the big arrows whether you want to dominate them or not plus the cascading effects of the tokens that they give the opponent also um are just yeah, just just what really sort of catapulted Azalea into into the competitive space at least. So yeah, really really like those cards. Yeah, you Very lace it, good. lace them with pure, unrefined raw crystal plague. inertia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolute raw plague all over the arrow, and you fire it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, definitely yeah. Uh, some pretty, at least in flavor, uh, pretty disgusting cards. <laughs> pretty disgusting, yeah. You know they're like pretty good when they only made the, the the red versions. We don't have a full cycle of them. So they're like, exactly. yeah, you, you don't get nine of these. You can only have three of each. You don't get you don't get nine. Um, yeah. yeah, that's right. And they were they were actually quite hard to pull as well. When I was opening boxes of Outsiders, they're actually quite hard to get because obviously there was a lot of rares in the set and they were quite hard to get because they were only the red versions of them as well. Mm -hmm. So um, back when we were opening boxes for this stuff, it was hard to get uh, if you were trying to pack, you know, crack it for, for the stuff, but yeah, great cards overall. Really, really like them. And they do really just add a lot more to, it. I think, I think you play every single one of these in an Azalea deck. Um, oh, yeah. frail I, think, I think the frailty is only brought in for certain matchups, but the a blood rot on inertia is is a mainstay for sure i wonder if uh not to not to get too meta talk i wonder if the inertias are going to be taken out uh post heavy hitters and swap for the frailties right because you're going to have a lot more physical attacks a lot more weapon attacks and the arsenal yeah. might not matter as much especially since like I heroes like icelander and lexi are uh living legend now yeah, possibly. Yeah, I mean the, the 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 thing with inertia and things like seek and destroy and those sorts of effects that don't allow you to arsenal is obviously because you're basically a five intellect hero with the the access to your top card of your deck and death dealer. If you can maintain the card advantage, you're you've got so much more advantage over the opponent, which is why the arsenal destruction is quite good, or the arsenal prevention is good. Uh, but yeah, frailty could see a lot more a lot more use going forward if we are thinking of. Heroes that like to swing weapons, which could be the case going forward, but we'll see. I would not be surprised if you see a lot of sabers flying left and right from Kasai soon. So, oh well, yeah, they're they're legal again right now, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> they were they they living legended because Kasai was was gone, and then suddenly uh, you allowed them again. I was for, blitz yeah. for, for blitz, so. but yeah, still you're yeah, right. That's true. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, Bill. What you got? Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I guess that, that brings it up to me. I have been very vocal about my favorite cards. Um, there's at least one that I know as referenced last week um, yeah. that has been my favorite card since it was released. I'm going to save it for a little bit later, though, because it's kind of the obvious pick. Uh, I'm going to start out actually with um, Buzzsaw Trap. Uh, which is kind of an interesting one for, for me to, to reference because I don't really play Riptide, 
but um the times that i have played riptide especially against as and just the mm. idea behind what this card does um is phenomenal um i love the way that it interacts in uh basically the way that your opponent doesn't want it to um where it fully blocks a dawnblade no matter what um it is a good thing that this thing is uh legendary in keyword um yeah. because if you were able to play three of these um the dorinthia matchup would be miserable for the warrior um it is also just extremely good against other rangers specifically against as uh, i think this That's is right. one of his least favorite cards to see uh um, oh, really come is. down yeah there was a time we were playing against each other where I think he had like it was a dominated red in the ledger for like 13 or something. 13, um, 14, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it had like an aim counter on it and Deadeye was one of the buffs. Like it was just this huge thing. <laughs> and I was just like, mm, block with Crown of Providence, move to defense reactions. And he's like, no. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, yeah. He's like, oh. I'm like, yeah, so that's fully blocked. He's like, really? Like, it doesn't go for any more? I'm like, nope, it's five. <laughs> fully blocked. Yeah. You literally just cancelled three cards and you played one. You, play, you yeah. played one one card and a piece of equipment and I wasted four cards on the one. Yeah. So it it's, a ridi- it's a ridiculous trade. Buzzsaw trap, we'll more like Arclight trap, am I right? Pretty much, yeah. Counter spell, that's pretty yeah. much it. Yeah, Buzzsaw Trap just is such a powerful defense reaction. Uh, I love how it how it works, and uh, I think it's one of the things that makes uh, Riptide just such a scary deck to sit down against for very like specific other heroes. Um, but absolutely, yeah, yeah. the uh, the form and function of it, the design of it, I think it's just it's really really good. So uh, big fan, uh, love Buzzsaw Trap, uh, and that's my that's my first one to pick. Uh, yeah. And you get to add a little bit of uh, insult to injury by poking them for one damage, too, when you do it. <laughs> That's yeah. also great. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, by the way, you also take a damage. And they're like, really? Like, can you stop? <laughs> so it's fully blocked, and I take one? Okay, then. Yeah, you take one. <laughs> yeah, Arsenal pass. <laughs> All right. So, keeping with the pits theme, my card will be... Let's do this one. I'm going to do, do another pretty spicy one. I'm going to pick Plague Hive as my second card. Um, Plague Hive isn't the most powerful Fabled. It isn't the most expensive Fabled. But in my opinion, it is the most fun Fabled, at least for me. And um, I love everything about this card. Um, It's balanced very well. I love that it's yellow pitch instead of blue pitch. Um, I love that the token that you get is completely random. Um... The art is done by Mark Poole, and it looks like a Moxin almost. I love everything about this card. Uh, it is so, yeah. so cool. Um, I was fortunate enough to open up one of these in my Outsiders pre-release, a Rainbow Foil version, and it did win me a game. It won me um, my, my third or fourth match where my opponent was uh, attacking me, and I was able to uh, do one of the instant... I can't remember what it's called, like Shrug Off or something. One of the instant speed cards... Um, pitching Plague Hive, giving them a Blood Rot Pox where after they had already played out their entire hand, and so they died after the attack, after the turn was over, which was just <laughs> just so good. It was so good. It was, yeah. it was great. And it was one of those moments where I had, like, 
he and I were like finishing up our game and uh, several other people have finished their matches. And so there are people like surrounding us, watching us play. And so it was a really fun moment being like, all right, I ha- I'm going to I'm going to do some stuff and it's going to matter. And I'm like pitch Plague Hive to play this card. And then it's this really fun moment where you get to lay out the three tokens and then you do your dice roll to see which one you get. Um, yeah, very like, you know, you can play it up very like showman shippy. Um <laughs> So yeah, I I love Plague Hive. It's great. This is one of the the I think this is the only fabled that I went out of my way to buy a cold foil version, even though I had already opened up a rainbow foil version. I was like, I love this so much that I want to buy a cold foil version from uh, our obligatory obligatory mention uh, Fab TCG cards. Um, mm-hmm. Jim from Fab TCG cards bought it from him, and then I also asked yep. Jim. I was like, Hey Jim, uh, can you do me a favor? Can you get Mark Poole to sign my rainbow foil one? So I, I mailed him my rainbow foil one and he got Mark Poole to sign it. So I have, I still have two. One of them is signed by Mark Poole. So that's by Baltimore, was it? That you got him to do that? Yeah. Basically, he also picked up some other stuff for you as well, didn't he? I think that. Yes. That, that event as well. Uh, it was the, I think it was, that's where he picked up the uh, Uzuri Shikishi drawing from Izwardi that uh, Izwardi did for that's me. That's right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nice. you can't really see it in my show. Well, I can actually just move the look at this live adjustment going on here. Oh, it's, you, it's still a bit of glare, still but can't see it. Yeah, it's right there. <laughs> but Azwardi did me a hand drawn Missouri that I very much love. Anyway, nice. so that's that's my that's my second pick. Plague Hive, love Plague Hive. It's great. I put it in all my that's even nice. even though a lot of people don't. I put it in all my Assassin and Ranger decks. I don't care. It, it's getting in there. Yeah. 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 How about, uh, I think we're back to you, as Back to me, yeah. Fantastic. Well, this, uh, this Bill will be pleased with this, because this was the Spike Feeder spoiler card um, for, for Outsiders, actually. This was Infecting Shot. Um, probably the best damage-dealing arrow that you can have now as a Ranger player, um, because obviously it's a one for five, but obviously if you count the, uh, the Blood Rot as well on hit, it's a one for seven, basically. One for um, eight I... if you include the aim counter. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah, and I actually won that one a few game. I won the game last night that I played on the Christmas Day stream was against uh, a patron of Go Again Gaming. So, f- uh, so thanks for Ian for the game. Um, but he was playing Reinar, and what I needed was a six power arrow to hit him with. And obviously, in the Reinar matchup, you don't run things like Battering Bolt because you don't need to mm-hmm. use Battering Bolt. You need a six power. I needed a six power arrow, and luckily I had the resources to be able to dominate it with Azalea, put the aim counter on it by pitching a yellow, so that buffed it by uh, by one. Because obviously the infecting shot, same with sedation and withering shot. If they have the aim counters on it, they get a plus one buff. And um, with the crow's nest, it allows you to do that. So that allowed me to find the six power arrow that I needed to dominate through the extra damage. Um, so yeah, it's a really really good um card in general and you again if you want a six power arrow you can find it if you've got the resources to pay for it um so it is yeah it's very very good so a staple in ranger decks going forward for a damage dealer it used to be it used to be things like headshot you know headshot Mm -hmm. was the one for six if it comes in face up and you can make the argument that that's that still could be good in certain situations because you want the six damage up front rather than the on-hit blood rot pox. But infecting shot, if you've got the resources to do so, will still come in for six if you need it to. Um, so yeah, infecting shot just... I've tried things like headshot, Widowmaker, 
other cards that have other things to it. But I think Infecting Shot is just is just better in all situations. So yeah, you yeah. you were pretty you were pretty pretty stoked to spoil that as well, right? Because you knew it was pretty good <laughs> yeah, when you got it. Yeah. We were, uh, when we first got it, uh, my immediate reaction was, uh, and like, obviously I don't expect anything when we get our, our spoiler cards. I'm always happy to get a mm. spoiler card at all. But, yeah. uh, my first reaction was like, really a common, like I wanted to do something a little bit flashier, whatever, like that's kind of yeah. what I had in mind. But then I like read the card even just one additional time. And I was like, Hey, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I think this is, I think this is maybe like really, really good. <laughs> Yeah, I, um, yeah, it, it is. It's very good. <laughs> my first reaction was yeah. just like, this is just like a three of in like all of the Ranger decks, right? Like the red version yeah. at least, and maybe even the blue version. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, this is like you you compare it to Headshot, and like Headshot is a one four uh, six sometimes uh, oh, if fine. you fire it on the same turn that you put it in, and mm. like this one is even without the aim counter a one for seven if you count the value that you get from the blood rot pox. Like yeah. if your opponent doesn't fully block it, it still hits for three. Like it's just, and then it also has the potential of if you just need the one extra damage and you have a resource, you can put a name counter on it with Crow's Nest and like it's yeah. just so good. Like just such a good baseline arrow to have. So I was really really excited when we when we got that one um, I, yes. after the first initial impression. <laughs> I actually yeah. think a better comparison, maybe not a better comparison, but uh, I think it's a fair comparison to make, which speaks uh, highly at, as how good Infecting Shot is, is that it reminds me more of Remorseless than any of those other cards, mm -hmm. because Remorseless has that on-hit effect to drain your opponent's life. Well, not drain, but like, you know, make them lose life. And Infecting Shot basically yeah. has the same kind of thing, on-hit effect to make them lose two life specifically. Remorseless is yeah. a little bit different because it can has a higher top end, and also it has evasion built into it. But um, I think it's like comparable. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just a very efficient arrow. <laughs> yeah, it is very just good. Just very good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and again, like the reason why I've toyed with things like headshot is because obviously the headshot comes in for base value of six, whereas infecting shot does not have the base value of six. You have to put the extra aim counter on it to get the base value of six. So there have there has there have there has been times where I've experimented with headshot, um, but infecting shot just seems to be just more consistent across the board for all purposes. Um, and if you have the resources, you can make it a six, which I did yesterday, uh, which came into play. So yeah, just a very good card. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not not sure if yellows or blues are really used, but the red version is obviously what you got to spoil, and it was yeah, very very good, very very good card. So. That yeah, is my second pick. Extremely just a raw excited and a good pick. <laughs> pure damage dealing arrow. Absolutely. All right, Bill. That's that. What you got for yeah. your second? Oh, yeah. Back to me. Uh, okay. So I'm going to go with. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get this one uh, just out of the way. This is the one that I was referring to previously as like maybe, honestly, probably my favorite designed card like mm. up to this point. It's It's in the top tier of designed cards. Uh, and that is Scowling Fleshbag. Um, mm. I <laughs> have not even had an opportunity to really play with it, but I just, everything about it just feels right. It feels like just a perfectly designed card. Every time I see somebody else talk about it, um, it's 
like just people gushing about how uh, good like defensive intimidate is and how much better it feels to play with and against than offensive intimidate, especially in blitz. Um, yeah, there was even a discussion locally uh, in the the Winnipeg Flesh and Blood Discord where people were saying, "I hope that there's more defensive intimidate because it's really interesting and it makes brute without changing." what brute does by introducing a new keyword or anything it changes the um the function of the deck and actually makes it into a really impactful like defensive deck by just flipping when the intimidate happens and i think that that is super cool uh it's a very just simple card it has three four words on it um but those four words are incredible um technically yeah, five, five looking at it but yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have it in front of me right now, but I do know what it does. So, uh, yeah, I, mean, I honestly six if you include blade break. I'm sorry. There was four break. four with no blade break plus two because yeah, it's break. what when you block with this uh intimidate even simpler when this, de when this defends when you block yeah. when, when this when defends intimidate blade yeah, break so four. <laughs> yeah, blade break. Yeah. So six words. Um blade break yeah, great show just... by the way. I'm just going to say yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh honestly, now with heavy hitters, I'm really looking forward to playing more brute. Uh I think that there's yeah. going to be a decent amount of brute support. Um I'm hoping that it just brings a brings a defensive brute into the the sort of limelight or into just at all into existence because uh defensive intimidate is just a really interesting axis to play on um and i would love to play like a defensive leviah deck and have it not be like a meme um yeah yeah so anyway scowling flesh bag i think is i think my favorite designed card of the year this isn't like a list that's in order um but it's also one of my favorite designed cards in flesh and blood of all time <laughs> I, yeah it was one of my favorite cards of the set for sure and i don't even play brute so yeah it's great yep. it's just nice to see you know class specific keywords on an equipment when you're defending like it's just a strange mm -hmm. thing to see like intimidate when you're defending it's just like what <laughs> what's I, going on <laughs> well I, I think the the most brilliant part about this whether intended or not is that it takes a very unfun mechanic in, in my opinion mm -hmm. one of the most unfun mechanics in the entire game and makes it into like a really interesting thing um yeah. i'm not sure if it's a fun thing but I, th I think it's a really interesting thing um and much more so than just regular intimidate where it's just like yeah yeah get rid of your hand um where this one's more like i don't know it's 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 really cool and when you choose to block with it is like also very cool and the fact that it's like on board so you can as the opponent you can see that it's telegraphed right so you also have to yeah. plan your attack around it and try to bait it out i think it's really interesting and it's, it's just super cool uh yeah I love, I love yeah, it as it affects well. affects a lot of things. Like if you see like a Katsu or a Fi or whatever, just start with an Art of War. You know, right, this is going to be the Scowling Flesh Bag. It's going to disrupt their whole sort of sequence of what, what they've planned out. So you can mm -hmm. really sort of punish the overextension of someone's turn if you Scowling Flesh Bag them because it intimidates at random as well. So they could, you could just yeah. dismantle their entire turn. Um, I mean... So, you time walk Zuri with this. Zuri likes to have two card hands. Yeah, so you exactly. come in with a stealth card, they block this, they block the stealth card, then they have to get rid of the other card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's so cool that it just, it operates as a rattlesnake. Like it's mm. 
that that's one of the reasons that I love the design of this card and why it and Mask of Momentum are my two favorite design cards in the game, because you could potentially win a game with Scowling Fleshbag and have it be the reason that you won without it triggering, without blocking with it at all. It could just yeah. make your opponent so worried about what it is that you're actually going to do that they end up not attacking on an impactful turn. Um, and yeah. yeah, I just... I love it. I think it's it's just really clean design, very very masterfully done. Um, yeah. So yeah, whoever at LSS was the one that actually designed Scowling Fleshbag, like good job. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right, so Absolutely. my third pick is going to be. Let's see. I'm gonna save those two. So let's do Codex of Blood Rot. So. Codex of Bloodrot is going to be my, my third favorite card of the year. I think it is the most underrated of the codices. Um, and it is just, I mean, it's it's my favorite one. Uh, I know everyone uh, really, really loves some of the other ones. We'll maybe save that for later discussion in this very, very episode. But I'm going to talk about Bloodrot here. What I love about Bloodrot is that unlike the other cards, it doesn't give your opponent card advantage or card parity or card selection in any way where we're frailty if your opponent has an empty arsenal they can get a card back if for inertia they can um get a card from the top of their deck that they otherwise wouldn't have access to for the next turn blood rot doesn't do any of those things blood rot's like you have to you have to dunk a card from your hand into your arsenal you don't get an extra card this you just have to put the one you have in so you don't get any extra card advantage but what it does do is that it rips a card out of their out of their hand and Flesh and Blood is a game all about like card equity, right? And a lot of cards, especially when you talk to wizard players, especially like Icelander players, is they talk a lot about stuff like, I just want to demand a card from your hand. That's what their cards want to do is they want to take cards from their hand. And that's literally what Code of, Codex of Blood Rod does. It rips a card from their hand, puts it into their arsenal. So when you play this, your opponent inherently now has one less card to block with, unless they had a defense reaction, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, you just rip rip a card out of their hand. Then they also get a blood rot pox, and then you also get a you also get a ponder. So it does maybe a little bit of virtual damage as well. Um, so it's just it's like a very offensive card dealing dealing damage and then potentially ripping a card out, out of your opponent's hand. I really like Codex of Blood Rot. Um, it's my favorite one. I like it more for Blitz, where the damage matters a lot more, where the where the two two points of damage from the blood rot actually matters a lot more. But um, yeah, I still really like this. I, and I still think this is a legitimately good pick in uh, Blitz Lexi, where you just want to go wide and then rip cards out of your opponent's hand and, you know, making him put a card in the arsenal is just one less card that they can block with. So, yeah, I like it. Codex of Blood Rot. Yeah, number, n- num- number one Codex of Blood Rot fan here. Um, <laughs> it was between, by the way, it, it, I had two Blood Rot picks here it was between this one and spreading plague spreading plague was the other one i was thinking about picking um yeah but i just wanted to give uh blood rot a shout because uh it's un- i think it's underrated so i think i think it'd be a lot more played if uh if they didn't print frailty but yeah yes perhaps yeah. yeah when uh when you have the option between dealing two damage or uh attacking your opponent with another red in the ledger it's kind of tough <laughs> yeah so i i should i should mention the 
the, the the trick with this, by the way. So the trick with this with Lexi is that what what, what Codex of Bloodrot does is both players have to put a card from their hand face down into the arsenal, and that's really important that it's face down because with Lexi you put uh, an ice or a lightning card face down, and then you can use Lexi's hero ability to turn that card face up and then get that bonus from yeah. turning the card face up. So what mm-hmm. this is why specifically why I really like it in Lexi because you put a uh, one of the cantrip ice cards face down, use Lexi's ability, give them a frostbite and then you play the cantrip card from your arsenal and because it's played from your arsenal you get a draw card. So it's like it, it synergizes really really well with uh the Lexi cantrip stuff. Um so just to in the case you didn't know, that's the specifically why I really like Codex of Blood Rot. Uh I don't think it functions quite as um synergistically in Riptide or Azalea, but specifically in Lexi, putting the cards face down, getting the turn up equity, and then the play from Arsenal equity is also really good. So it's it's kind of like a, a reload ish kind of thing that you get to do get to do. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Yeah. Alright, as what is your Fantastic. third pick? Third pick, uh, obviously in no particular order, uh, but this is, let me just get out my notes here, uh, Spire Sniping. Um, the blue version is what I've mentioned on my notes here. Um, so yeah, blue block threes, we know how good they are in any deck really, just the resources and the block when you need it. But obviously, if a blue block three has a synergistic effect with what your deck wants to do, it is very good even when you have to play that card for its effect that you use. Um, so if you have this in your arsenal, so if you've, if you've arsenaled a, uh, Spire Sniping the turn before, you can use Cross Wrap to flip it up and essentially look at the top two and then rearrange it. Um, so it's a better, it's a better Skullbone Cross Wrap trigger if that's in your mm-hmm. arsenal, basically. So you get two. But even on the turns where you have a blue Spire Sniping in your hand and you've got nothing else, you can still dig for something else if you need to try and dig for something else. Um, so it can it can really help those ranger hands if you've only got the one the one blue spire sniping you can still load that in draw a card and then see what the two cards deep you can potentially get for an azalea dominate um, so yeah and, and also obviously um, it's an arrow as well so you can still lace it with the cards you can still put seeking destroys and stuff behind it so it synergizes with all of your other buffs as well so if you do need to worst case scenario fire it then you can do that with all the buffs that are previously mentioned already with the lace widths and other things that we'll yet to mention. Um, but um, yeah, just a great blue block three with a great effect. Um, and uh, Brody Spurlock has used it to great effect in competitive games as well, as we've seen a lot of times. So yeah, it's definitely a good one. So that's my that's my third pick. Blue Spire Sniping specifically. Yeah. It's a great one to get in limited. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in constructed too, like as said, but I I played a lot of Outsiders Limited. And if you're in the Azalea deck, this is like a really, really, really nice pickup. Yeah. Just dig it. Just make it just digging and, you know, just digging for that that big arrow that you want to fire um, and just fueling your deck for resources or if you you need to, block it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In, in, Outsiders Limited, there's actually not a ton of, uh, like, opt-in card manipulation, because obviously you don't have your Skullbone Crosswrap or anything like that, so well, ca- cards yeah. like this are, like, a premium in that in that deck. They, they, they put in a lot of work, so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. What's that? All right, Bill. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, well, we have yet another brute card from the non-brute player. Um, what? But <laughs> <laughs> but just continuing on the the trend of cards that I think are designed exceptionally well, uh, we have Slithering Shadowpede. Um, I also fell in love with this card as soon as it was released, um, especially in tandem with all of the, um, like, if you banish uh, a card with six or more attack, you can play it this turn. Um, there was a lot of payoff for this card specifically. Obviously, it has that effect on its own, but there were just a bunch of other cards that say, like, banish a random card from your hand, and then it gave you an additional effect if it was a card with six or more. So this then giving you the additional effect of still being accessible on that turn kind of just said draw a card, um, especially when you're playing so card neutral. Um, Slithering Shadowpede just helps you um, keep some of that parity. Um, actually just bringing it up just to make sure that I am remembering it correctly because I mean it's it's a card that I love so um yeah because it doesn't was... block I know that for a fact and it's a one for six yeah yeah okay. if this was banished from your hand this turn you may play it from your banished zone yep. yeah like you could play this with art of war and then it's a one for seven um it, potentially we yes. go again depending on what you pick um like <laughs> I, I just, I love it. Uh, it's another card that really makes me want to play Leviah. Um, and I probably will in the coming year. Uh, I think that's probably a deck that I'm going to look into playing more of, uh, even in CC. Um, yeah. And yeah, if if possible, a defensive version of Leviah would be like my optimal, this is what I would want to play. Um, because you have access to like... Um, Leviathan redeemed to turn off all your blood debt, or even Blasma Fett if you get to a point where you've controlled the game enough that you can just okay here here's the the turbo button I'm I'm gonna just blast you down now, uh, and Slithering Shadowpede I think helps with that quite a bit so, um yeah big big fan uh really really like this card and just how it interacts with Leviathan uh, especially the new support cards as a whole. I hate this card because I opened twenty. <laughs> 20 boxes of uh, Dust Hold On, and I opened up one of them in like 20-something oh, boxes. Uh, wow. I I wanted to get more so I could actually like play the deck and like build Leviathan, but I ended up... This is not a video about the, the, the pull rates recently, but did not pull close to enough to even do that, so I was just like, eh, whatever. But cool card. Really cool card. I wanted to mm -hmm. open it up. That's, uh, that's why I'm salty about it. Um. One of my um, one of my one of my favorite cards that's just utter garbage. We never see any any play with it. Is Guardian of the Shadow Realm, mm -hmm. um, which screw that card. screw that card. <laughs> <laughs> that card it's, is yeah. the opposite. I op famously I opened up a ton of Guardian of the Shadow Realm. <laughs> I think I think I literally have like close to twenty of those MFers, um, and like maybe like six or seven foil ones. It's insane. Like every box of uh, Monarch I opened had a yeah. freaking Guardian of the Shadow Realm in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. It never sees any, it never sees any play whatsoever, but it's just a, a six block that you can continuously recur. So I would love to see sort of a defensive shadow. Well, we do see that in Vincent now. Vincent can be quite defensive. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure whether she uses this card or not, but it's just one that always stuck out to me from Monarch. When I discovered Monarch for the first time, I was still very new to the game. And this was something I was trying to make work because I thought it was sick that you could just keep getting back a six-block defense reaction. 
but that's going way off way off topic uh, with the Guardian well, Shadow Realm. Let, let me know if you need any. I've got like three full binder pages of them, so uh, just let me know. I'm sure a lot. I'm sure a lot of people have. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um. All right. So my fourth pick is going to be another one of my spoiler cards. Um, it's also a card that, well, I'm just going to pull it up here. So this is Shriek Razors. So I really love Shriek Razors on a lot of different levels. Um, I love that. I love the art. It's very like Freddy Krueger, cyberpunk kind of, kind of vibes. Um, yeah. I love that. It kind of looks like the person in the art is also wearing the red back shroud, which is very cool. Um, if you look, if you look carefully, it kind of looks like they're wearing the red, red back shroud. Um, but I also love that it is another one of your buyback cards or your silver silver buyback cards. Um, and the more I thought about it, the more I liked it. So when I first saw the card, I'll, I'll read out what it does. Uh, so it has the silver buyback ability. So if it's in your graveyard at the start of your turn, you can destroy two silvers to re-equip it. Um, it has battle-worn and blocks for one, which is pretty good, actually. All of the silver cards do that. They all have battle-worn and block for one. Um, this one's ability to destroy it is as an attack reaction for two resources and destroying it. Target attack action, uh, or target attack action card defending an assassin attack gets minus one. It's it's very specific, right? It's not just like oh you, you get a plus one on your attack. It is specifically an attack action defending an assassin attack gets minus one. That does work on weapon attacks. It just says an assassin attack, so it can, it can be weapon as well. But what I really like about this is the threat of activation that it gives you over your really nasty on hit effects. Um, because if you're the kind of player who's you're playing like Uzuri or even uh, Arachne and you're sandbagging a couple of cards in your hand, say, say you're attacking with Surgical Extraction and uh, you, you attack with your Surgical Extraction and you still have another card in your hand and you have a Shriek Razors equipped, your opponent kind of has to block assuming you could crack the Shriek Razors. And yeah. I really, really love that about it. Um, is it better than Flick Knives? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Pr probably not. A lot of people still run the flick knives, but I have seen some people playing around with Shriek Razors. I've also been playing around with Shriek Razors. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the threat of activation is the biggest selling point to this. And it's similar to the way that people play around uh, cards like Mask Momentum. Obviously, in different ways, Mask Momentum is just nuts, but it's still similar. Like where Scowling Flesh Bag. Yeah, Scowling Flesh Bag. <laughs> but. Flesh bag is a better comparison, I think, because flesh bag is a one-off and like you do it once. And Shriek Razors, you mm -hmm. technically can do it more than once, but the way I evaluate it is you, you evaluate it as the one-off. You can do it more than one though, if you can buy it back. But like, yeah, having a really nasty on-hit effect and two like and a card in hand basically means your opponent is like, well, I can't just three block and then toss a one-piece equipment in front of this. Like no. they could they could just crack the Shriek Razors and then rip a card out of my hand with you know, with uh, either like a shakedown or with um, um, the uh, uh, surgical extraction. So that's why I like about this card. And I think this is a card that um, is one that you'll always look at possibly including in your assassin decks. Um, if you have like these nasty on hit effects and you're like, how much do I value the one point of damage or two points of damage from flick knives versus really pushing through a, a nasty on hit effect. Um, mm -hmm. And then I've yeah, been... No, no. Okay. Another thing as well about the comparison between these two is that Flick Knives has Blade Break, whereas Shriek Razors has Battle Worn. So you can actually block with um, Shriek Razors and still have it around 
for the effect. Whereas if you have to block for the one with the flick knives, you just don't get the effect because you blocked with it and it dies. Yep. Um, so there is also that argument as well as to which one could be better, depending on what matchup you've got. Um, I mean, so, and keep yeah. in mind, Shriek Razors can keep, can keep coming back. So you can technically block with them more than oh, once oh, as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's it's cool. Uh, there, there's a couple, like like I said, there's, there's some caveats to it. Like it only gives attack action cards minus one defense. And only if you're attacking with an assassin attack, but um, still really cool. This is this is one of the cards that like against certain decks you just you obviously don't run. Uh, so even in my Uzuri deck, I run both Shriek Razors and uh, Flick Knives. And then if I'm playing against like Dromai or I guess Kano because Icelander's not there anymore, but you take this out if they're playing not very many attack actions, right? Um, yeah, because it does just does nothing. Um, but exactly, I still think it's a really cool card, and I. Uh, I like it. So that's Street Grazers. How about back to you, back to you as for your fourth pick? Back to me. Yeah, cool. So uh, number four, again, in no particular order. So Premeditate is my next card. This is not a Ranger card. What is this? What is this? this is generic, absolute ponder run, as they call it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so this is uh, this is fantastic. So first of all, the art is probably my favorite this year. Because um, it's, it's just good. Azalea look, looking, you know, smoldering, just holding binoculars. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I imagine her holding different things. But hey ho! Uh, yeah, um, like that burger. <laughs> yeah, bur right. burger. Yeah, uh, he's that, that's, yeah burger. That's right. <laughs> Egg rolls. Anyway, um, so uh, so yeah. So another th another thing about this as well is that um, mechanically, it's it's also very good because obviously ponder is what refills your arsenal at the end. So if you've got a Ponder token, you refill your arsenal at the end. And why is that good with Azalea? Because you can opt and you can continue the train of having card advantage and card selection. So Ponder is very, very good in Azalea, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, but yeah, it's just, just my favourite art of the year also. And it holds special place because uh, Izuardi did the artist proof for me on the back of the Premeditate card for Worlds, which holds a special place. As a memory and a piece of art that I've got, um, so uh, so yeah, just uh, hits on a lot of cylinders for me, and uh, yeah, yeah, outsiders yet again, outsiders card. So very it's, good. It's it's one of those cards that I look at and I look at the art and I think like I kind of wish we had more art like this in Flesh and Blood. There's a lot of just yeah. like one-off pieces of just like a random dude or a random lady or whatever, like a random person just doing a thing. But like this is yeah. one of the few pieces that actually showcases like a hero, um, kind of in action, right? Like they're they're like scoping a scoping something out, and uh, I wish we had more yeah. like this in Flesh and Blood. Yeah, yeah, it's not like uh, it's not like they're doing an action for an attack or something. They just they're just chilling out. They've got, they've got the binoculars in hand. It's clear that you know what they're doing. They're scoping out, but in this particular art, she's just there looking, you know, with the binoculars in hand. So it's a, it's a nice it's a nice moment for the art. It's not like you're. You can see Azalea pulling back and about to fire something. You know, it's just her chilling out, taking a moment to take the binoculars down, and you know, looking at the situation from there. So yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's, some, it's something that we don't see very often. So it is nice to have that snapshot in the art. And Izawadi just knocks it out of the park every single time, as we know. So shout out to uh, shout out to him if you're listening. I know you do sometimes. So there we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Bill. Yeah. All right. Uh, so yeah, my next one is the one and only uh, illusionist card that's actually on this list, surprisingly oh. enough, as uh, somebody who loves illusionist as much as I do. 
there just really wasn't that much um, support for the t- the style of illusionist that I like to play this year. For the uh, deck. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that does not mean that there weren't any uh, banger illusionist cards that were revealed. And uh, one of them, and I think my favorite one to really showcase what I, I like about the new uh, sort of style of cards is one of the figments for the new prism deck uh mm. and that is figment of erudition is the one that i decided to pick as my favorite because uh card advantage is just really powerful uh and i don't think that that's particularly um uh i don't think that's a particularly uh I'm gonna, controversial thing for me to say. It? i'm gonna debate you for yeah. three hours on how card advantage is bad in flesh and blood card advantage yeah. sucks um but yeah, I mean, it's kind of a toss up between Figment of Erudition and uh, Figment of Protection mm. as to which one is like the most powerful. Uh, mm. I think Figment of Protection is more of a proactive thing, but Figment of Erudition, especially when it just comes down initially, is good to sort of stabilize your, um, if you're sort of behind on card quality or card uh, quantity. I think mm. Figment of Erudition helps out a lot by just entering play, making a ponder token, and then you have the option of flipping it into uh, a 4-4 that draws you two cards yeah, on attack. Uh, on um, attack? It's not even on hit? You just do it? like Just on attack. Um, like, turning into Soraya and uh, being a 4-4 with Ward 4, so it is also just 4 health if you really need it to be, um, that when it attacks, you banish a card from your soul, and if you do, you draw two cards, and you get all that for two resources. Um, very strong. Uh, very, very good. We were talking about ponder tokens and just about how good they are for keeping um, yeah. just number of cards available up for you. And yeah, I think that's uh, something that this card does extremely well, especially because with the new prism, you're able to tutor it from your deck. So you don't even need to get this one if it's not the one that you need right away. Um, yeah. Just makes it that much better, uh, in my opinion. Um yeah, really, really big fan of the figments as a whole, but I think that figment of erudition is probably my favorite one um, for everything that it allows you to do. <laughs> Me surprise, surprise, too. Drawing cards and replacing cards and seeing more cards. Drawing cards. Is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think figment. I think erudition is also my favorite. I also I also think it's the the best one as well. Um, yeah. Uh, although I will say as well, uh, shout out to the two that were illustrated by Eric Klug, mm. um, because I'm a big fan of Eric Klug. It was like uh, a, it was re- rebirth and oh, what's the other one? It, rebirth for it sure. Rebirth and Figment of War were the two. War. That he oh yeah. So and they are the other phenomenal stained glass style. Yeah. The other oh. side of War is the one done by. Livia Prima's partner, um, Billy. Yes. Yeah. Billy yeah. Christian. Yeah. Great, great artist as well. Um, yeah. Cool stuff. That, that card in particular, the war one is up there for my favorite arts. Cause you, like, you have the Klug art on one side and then you have Billy Christian's art on the other side. And it's this really cool, like, like the dichotomy. I don't know. I dig it. Um, anyway, yeah, I agree. Uh, the figments had just amazing art. I, that's the best part of Dustalon, in my opinion. Like, the figment, figment art was incredible. I'm just surprised you didn't choose the Carlos Cruchaga one there, Bill, with the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the figment of tenacity. Very uh-huh. true and very fair. I do. I am a big fan of Carlos Cruchaga. <laughs> I mean, if yeah. we were, if we were just picking, 
I mean, like, the, it, you're spoiled for choice. I don't have them all queued up here, but uh, I know Soyame did Protection, and then um, Bastion did uh, the other one, Figment of... I forget what it's called, but his art is incredible. Like, insanely good. Um, yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, there's honestly just too many good ones. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're so good. It's one of the reasons why I built the Highlander. So, As and I did a Highlander stream, like, a couple weeks ago. And uh, if you don't know what Highlander is, it's a format where you can only play one of any unique card in your deck, yada, yada, yada. But I built a uh, Prism deck, a, a new Prism, uh, Advent of Thrones deck. And uh, I don't own a copy of all of the figments because, once again, I, even though I bought like 20-something boxes, still didn't open up a full playset. But uh, I threw all the ones that I had in there. Um, and they're great. They're just sweet to look at. Um, yeah, pretty nice. All right. Let's get back on track. My final pick, my fifth and final pick, is very fittingly Final Act, which is, if you don't remember what this card is, Final Act is one of the bard attack, act. well, the bard attack action card from <laughs> yeah. the Around uh, the Table box set. So Final Act is a one drop, one attack, bard attack action that blocks for three that says when this attacks, it gets plus X attack where X is the is twice the number of all cards in all pitch zones. Um, I love this card on, on so many levels. This card, this was the Eureka moment when I was shown the the Bard deck. So for those of you who don't know, I got to play with the, the Round the Table decks maybe two or three weeks before uh, they were spoiled. I played them at the Professor's Place, um, just kind of like get some, get some games in to play test. Um, all that kind of good stuff. And um, reading this card really made things click for the bard deck. Because when you flip through it, you're like, you're like, what the hell? Like, this deck doesn't do anything. Yeah. And then you see this and you're like, oh. What's the wing con? Yeah, oh, I, wing con? I see. This card paired paired with Encore. Um, yeah. That That's really how, how you do it. And so what I really love about this card is that it provides an avenue for play that previously doesn't really exist much in flesh and blood, which is like this kind of like group huggy combo style. And it's really, really combo. Like unlike flesh and blood, flesh and blood doesn't really have this kind of combo. Um, but other games do. And that's where you like build up a bunch of things. And then you just kind of like wombo combo off all in one turn. It's pretty rare, pretty rare in flesh and blood outside of like a couple corner case things. Um, but I also love that it still plays into the multiplayer aspect because it says all pitch zones. So yeah. mm -hmm. if your opponents really want to kill someone, they can help you kill them with the final act by pitching stuff if they have the ability to do so, right? You can't just pitch for no mm -hmm. reason. But if they have the ability to do so, like maybe an instant speed activation pitch on their hero or, or something. Um, like if, if there's a Kano playing, a Kano can help you out, by the way, but by, by doing stuff so yeah final act absolutely love it art's really cool it's got a great perspective but uh, i i mostly just love like the gameplay of this card and i love the creativity and the design yeah final act is my final card nice sitting final act that's cal's <laughs> final act for today <laughs> yeah how about uh as your final pick uh so it's back to me isn't it um so yeah, so this is probably one of the most uh, meta choices uh, of today, and that is Codex of Frailty. Um, so th there's just a lot to say on this card as to why it's good. Um, 
But um, but yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Obviously, if you play it on the end of a combat chain after you've gone pretty wide with Azalea, especially now with Bullseye Bracers available to us, um, you can really overextend with this. You can play something, put something into your arsenal of Death Dealer, potentially give that go again with either, whether it's Bolt and Shot or Snappies, then you can put something in with Bullseye Bracers to then fire something else, and then you can play a Codex on the end of that to really overextend. Or if not... If you've had to block with a few things a turn before, you can play this and get something back and then still be able to replace your arsenal. You can strip a card from the opponent to make it harder for them to block. There's so many axes on this card. Um, and I think on the Speedy Awards, it was voted as one of the most hated alongside <laughs> Warmongers um, because of the, the amount of value you can get out of it. It's just, it's just crazy. But it's nice to know that Azalea can sort of uh, lean on one of one of the most powerful cards in the game um so uh, so yeah that's, that's definitely my number one pick there's been so many plays where i've been able to use codex to just get so much value out of out of the graveyard of stuff that you've either fired already in the game or blocked with early to then fill your graveyard so you can then act as if the codex is a copy of that card anyway even though you've used mm -hmm. it to block early on um so yeah it's it's incredibly good and we've we spoke about it all year content creators everywhere people on twitter everywhere have spoken about this card so many times before so i don't want to go too much into it but yeah that's my number to one this pick. day very very good i think brian gottlieb still has never read codex of frailty no i don't think <laughs> i don't think so i think he's admitted that as well on, on one of the uh previous um yeah Previous podcasts, um, well, the instant speed one at least. I think I think he introduced one of the one of the categories. I think it was the most hated card, and he did admit that he never read it to begin with. Um, so uh, so yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, I was but, yeah, that's a very good one. I was chatting with him down at the local Chachkis, and he was just like, "I'll I'll, yeah. I'll tell you a secret, Kel. I've never read Codex of Frailty." And I was like, oh, wow. that's, oh, yeah. That makes sense. Probably makes hasn't sense. read any Flesh and Blood cards, period. You know, just yeah. he's just there. Um, but um, if you're listening to this, Brian, I'm going to be in New York soon. I think you're based in New York now, so uh, let us know he, if you're going to be available. That dude is, like, <laughs> everywhere, man. That dude, he's everywhere. Yeah. But, yeah, um, I, yeah uh, He's he's never read uh, Codex of Frailty. I've never read um, Spellbound Creepers. You know, everybody has right. their uh, their their preferences. <laughs> Spellbound Creepers, like I don't know, does stuff for something. You know, uh, every single time I, I play with it and I activate it, I just say something else, and nobody's corrected me yet. So <laughs> yeah, people, people are just like I, they're like I put a counter on Spellbound Creepers, and then it lets me play my entire hand for free, and then I get action points for every card that I play, right? And then then it also does you arcane damage and then it'll I'll, I'll block with it for 8 as well. And you're like, sure. Yeah, and then they're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, it, feel, it feels like a Runeblade card. Yeah. That's good. Can I read that? Uh, you look at the card, giant wall of text. I don't want to read it anyway. I'll just I'll just assume yeah. what you said is right. It's fine. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um well, yeah, I'll throw I'll yeah. throw it over I'll throw it over to to Bill now, but yeah, that's Codex yep. of Frailty is my last card. So, uh, yeah, the final, final card uh, for our recap I, is another card that I have <laughs> talked about. Uh, I just want to preface this before Bill gets to his final card. Looking yeah. at Bill's final card and my final card and then Az's final card, I think it's funny how Az has by far and away the most 
meta competitive card out of what? all three of us. Like Bill and I picked like these weird, weird jank things, and Ass has picked the, the sweaty ass card. Um, it's been as year, okay? That's what yeah, I'm yeah. That. Anyway, continue, Bill. I just wanted. To, I thought it was funny yeah. looking at it. Yeah. Oh no, it is. It is absolutely funny. Um, but yeah, so the uh, card that I decided um, was going to, I mean, again, not in any particular order. It's not like it's rounding out my list or anything, but one of the five cards that I really wanted to highlight today is yeah. uh, from Bright Lights. I think it's the only card from Bright Lights that we've talked about so far. Uh, uh, yeah. Technically, uh, Shriek Razors was from Bright Lights. Thank you very much. Oh, you're, you're right. You're <laughs> right. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um but uh but yeah so from the main set yes of bright lights we have grinding gears uh which i am genuinely a big fan of uh, again design wise yeah. i love i love pointing out the cards that i think are designed very well and this is honestly one of them because um the way that i describe this card to people is it is free to activate but the resource that you're putting into it is your action point you are able to spend an action point to destroy the top card of your opponent's deck yeah. and with uh, yes. the way that max is able to play um isn't that just a cool way to explain it like i see cal stroking his yeah it's, it's like, like yeah. yeah it's such a weird <laughs> wording but it it works for flesh and blood no other card yeah. game i know says destroy the top of your deck like yeah yeah, it's just it's so it's weird and interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I I'm a big fan of just the way that the card is uh, is worded and designed. Again, like that's very uh, recurring theme for uh, cards that I enjoy in this game. Is if they're well designed, then I will most of the time point them out uh, for being well designed. Um, and yeah, I think that it's just a really really cool card. I like that it kind of shows off some things that I haven't gotten a list together that makes sense quite yet, but uh, I do feel like Max Grinding Gears is just a really uh, fun deck, like from a combo standpoint, where you're able to system reset a bunch of hyperdrivers back into play, uh, get like six or seven action points, and then start milling your opponent out um, with the Grinding Gears, um, especially crank in Blitz where you already have. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you get to crank all of them. Um, mm. Yeah, in Blitz, where your opponent already has so few cards anyway, you can just like push them into uh, a really, really fun uh, for for you at least a really fun um, uh, like what's the word about it? when you're in fatigue. There we go. That's the I don't know why that took yeah, so yeah, long yeah. for me to get, but yeah, like fatigue strategies uh, I think are really like not super fun, but this one pushes you into a fatigue strategy. So it's not like you're wasting a bunch of time and potentially going to time in the round you're able to just like really fast get there and be like yeah, we're in not, fatigue now deal with it <laughs> yeah it's not like you're it's not like you're trading card for card fatigue it's not you're blocking out it's your comboing off to fatigue them basically aren't you rather yeah than just blocking yeah, yeah exactly. exactly what i like <laughs> mill what i love about this card is that it is one of those cards that right now it's kind of just like uh you know, like, like Bill was saying, like a fun little gimmicky kind of thing. But it's also one of those yeah. cards that you have to really keep in mind when they print like future uh, things that help you get extra action points. Right. Because like any yeah. any extra little thing can make this card like kind of nuts. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I can just foresee a future where there's like some sort of card that gives you insane action point equity. And then you're just like, oh, yeah, I just use them all with grinding gears and mill my opponent completely out like 
Yeah. I can see that happening. Like give it give it give it some time. Yeah. So. Okay. But yeah, that's my uh that's my final pick for uh cards that came out in the year 2023 for Flesh and Blood. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a pretty Bill Bill definitely had the most varied list year. Um whereas and I were we stayed pretty in our lanes. I was like mostly assassin until I hit you with that final act. Um and then as obviously is uh not just ranger cards but uh azelia cards specifically. Um yeah. and uh yeah, I think this was a very really interesting year. Um I think the fact that as and I picked almost all all uh, outsiders cards and uh even Bill picked a couple outsiders cards. Um Really goes to show just how how much we really love Outsiders. Um, yeah, Outsiders just, was a phenomenal set, like just through and through. It was really really good. Yeah, I said it last week, but it's definitely my favorite set in Flesh and Blood, and it is very likely one of my favorite sets in any card game, like in just TCG history. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. incredible. Um, it was really a, a very unique experience for me as well to have my favorite character actually come back into the fold, like draftable. You know, you could play with Azalea in a sealed environment, in a draft environment. You could draft Azalea, something I've never experienced before because obviously that was back in Arcane Rising. Um, so it was nice to experience that also. But um, but yeah, yeah. Obviously, my list was very very streamlined, but um, I think that's only going to happen. I don't think that's ever going to happen again, to be honest. It might for a, for a while, for a while at least. Yeah. Being, be able to be, be able to say my top five cards this year were all ranger cards for my favorite hero. I don't think that's I don't think that's ever going to happen again. So it's it's an interesting interesting top five this year for sure. We'll see just, what happens. I guess. Just wait until twenty twenty five, where we have Outsiders two, and they finally introduce finally introduce the Pitts <laughs> talent. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a new Azalea hero, which that yeah, that's my that's my next goal is to spoil another Azalea hero. If she mm-hmm. if she gets re- reprinted, that's my next goal is to spoil the next Azalea hero. Because um, I'll be I'll be I'll be honest. I think this year, I mean, in 2024, um, it's not like a, make a good video, but uh, I obviously we're having heavy hitters, and I think the other two are gonna be the mysterious set, which is very likely yeah. called Transcendence. And then uh, I think the third set might actually be that uh, all arcane set that James White has mentioned a few times. I think that's what we're gonna get in 2024. I think yeah. I think getting the all arcane set and heavy hitters in the same year makes a lot of sense to me, uh, both design wise, card equity wise, and just kind of like flavor wise. So you have an all physical set and then you have an all, all arcane set, both both yeah. in the same year, uh, makes makes sense to me from from like a balancing, but not like gameplay balance, but like a you know card balance kind of deal uh, yeah. like and then um the mysterious set i think is just is just coming um so yeah. that's that's what, that's what i think for 2024 oh did before we get to the um arsenal step did we have any mailbag things that we wanted to talk about as we wrap it up uh i think there is i think there is one in there let me just double check i think there is one in there I remember you mentioning it, but I don't remember if we already covered their topic either last week or even this week. Yeah, so that, there, there is what there is one in there. Um, so it's from a few weeks ago. So apologies, it's taken us so long to get to it. But obviously, we've had a few live shows in between and all this and Christmas and that. So uh, this is from uh, Aaron Nash. 
Um, so they're saying, uh, hey all, question for you to explore. Lately I've been working on building out a foiled Shiana deck for mm. Ultimate Pit Fight. And it's left me with a question for you, for you folks. If you could build a deck with any hero with uh, and any cards from any class, what would that look like for you? What equipment do you think you'd use and what hero would pilot the deck? Do you think <laughs> there'd be cards that would become staples if they were available in every deck? Um, so I guess it's like a shapeshifter I, situation, isn't it? Where you can use anything. I would literally just build Uzuri, but I'd have better cards to swap in. That's literally it. It would just be Uzuri, <laughs> but my but my swap cards would be insane. Like even more so. Swap in like red in the ledges and bloody. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd swap in. Crutches. Yeah, exactly. Well, it has to be oh it has God. to be cost uh, two or less. I think that's the the mm. stipulation on it. But uh, you could swap in a red in the ledger or. Uh, you know, uh, any other arrow or there, there's some there's some other uh, big, big, hidden, big hitting attacks. I could swap in some like brute cards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cost two or less. Yeah. This is very this ability, isn't it? Yeah. So you won't be able to swap in Bravo cards. Imagine that. That would be ridiculous oh. if you could do that. <laughs> I, 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 I might run some Bravo. Truck. I might run some Bravo cards, though. I don't know. But yeah, yeah my answer is easy. Yeah, it would just be Uzuri still and I would just have more options to swap. I just want I, want I want all my swaps to take a card out of my opponent's hand. So uh that's what I would like. Yeah. Yeah, mine is interesting. I would want to run at the very least um I don't know. I would I would want to run uh Shadow Runeblade stuff in Data Doll. Uh my my <laughs> I'm I'm still on this train. I want Shadow Mech. I want uh, shadow mech to be a thing because the uh, the interaction between chains, soul shackles, and data doll's ability is hilarious to me, <laughs> and like yep. just really good. You're you're able to turbo out all of your items, uh, and to me that is where the fun lies, and I want that to be a thing. So, <laughs> no, uh, uh, so at the very least, you get like shadow puppetry. I think <laughs> mech in mains in shambles. Not recognized as true shadow mech. Well, it's not like that's the deck. The deck is no, a mech no. deck that happens to have a shadow mech hero in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want there to be like a real shadow mech deck. I'll be sick. I, I can't help but wonder if they did that because they just were like, yeah, we're never going to make this a thing because it's in, it's ridiculous. So let's just kind of throw them a little bone and here's like your shadow mech. Like, <laughs> yeah, I... I'm very yeah, curious, like the design history of that specifically. We did talk about that with Brian Gottlieb on the channel or on on the podcast earlier this year, but not really about like, you know, the community history behind Shadow Mech. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, my my sort of answer to this would be: I, I love Shiana as a deck. I love the fact that she can use specializations from any hero. Um, so yeah, Shiana is one one of my favorite heroes apart from Azalea. Um, but I would love to see a, a specialization. Obviously, we've had a few specialization weapons like Vincent's specialization, etc. Um, I think it's a fairly new thing where we get in specialization weapons. But I would love a specialization based bow, which means that Shiana could use arrows in her deck. Mm -hmm. If Shiana could use arrows in her deck, that would be a lovely old job. She could use red in the ledger. Um, she could use uh, intoxicating shots. Not, not really. No, nobody cares about that. But the thing is, she could use arrow attacks in her deck. Then, 
mm-hmm. um, which which would make a big, uh, which would make me a massive fan, obviously. Um, so uh, so yeah, if we get a specialization bow, I'm going to be building a Shiana deck. Uh, I... Shiana, just, just so you can, deck. just so you can use Red in the Ledger, and um... just so I can use Red in the Ledger, but also on the off turns, use a bloody crippling crush if I want to. <laughs> on the off turns. <laughs> on the off turns, yeah, use a crippling crush. Uh, or maybe get some get another ranger with the with the buzzsaw trap, you know, just you know, just stupid things like that. So yeah, give us a specialization bow, and then uh, I want to run a Shiana deck with that for sure. Because what's what what are Shiana's options? She's got Vincent's weapon, and then Talishar. That's it, right at the moment, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm, for weapons, I think you have a lot of options for like offhands and crap. Um... Yeah, because there's like the ornate um, Tezin, You have like the lantern. You have, there's there's a handful. Shield. But then you need a, but then you need a one-handed weapon, which the only option is Vinzet's weapon. I think. Currently, we'll see if we get some one-handers or two-hander generics and uh, heavy hitters. We're already getting a generic yeah. uh, shield, uh, so we'll see what if we get anything yeah. else. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, no, that's that's a that's a that's a cool little uh cool little experiment. So thanks for e- emailing us. Mm-hmm. And if you want to email us, uh, livinglegendspodcast at gmail dot com is where you can uh, forward your stories, comments, or questions to us, and we'll read them out as and when we get them. When we get round to them, obviously this is quite an old one, but <laughs> thanks, Aaron, nonetheless. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's 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 that really for that part. Sweet. And uh, just to round out the episode before we go, uh, I have a quick little quick little arsenal step. Uh, and mine, I've already talked about it both on my channel and I think I might've mentioned it in the, the live stream show, but, uh, my only thing that I want to talk about is that I'm going to Japan in, uh, February. So, uh, it was finally announced. I've known about it for a while, but, um, yes, I'm going to Japan specifically to Akihabara in Tokyo to do casting and coverage for the world finals for Shadowverse Evolve. And I'm so incredibly excited to work with both Side Games and Bushiroad on this and um, to, to, to go to Japan. And I'm going to be spending a couple extra days to explore specifically Akiba um, and just to go to all the shops. I want to hit up all the card shops and all of the um, you know, figure stores and just all, all the cool places. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. Going to be doing vlogs and, and all that kind of good stuff. Um and uh, yeah, that does basically my arsenal step. Um, just been diving into other card game stuff recently. Uh, obviously, uh, doing a lot of preparation for Shadowverse Evolve Worlds, uh, which is only you know few few month few short month away. Uh, so I want to be prepared for that. Um, and uh, yeah, that's basically it. That's basically it. I can I have a bunch of other stuff I'll, I can save for future future arsenal steps, I guess. Um, yeah. I, mean, yeah, I look forward to seeing the look, look forward to seeing those uh, seeing those videos uh, for your Japan trip because yes, yeah, somewhere that um, a lot of us want to go to eventually. Um, so yeah, it'd be nice to see how your experience turns out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Uh, I'm gonna be for folks watching this who might watch other content out there. Uh, my co-caster is gonna be Ignidius, who is uh, as far as Shadowverse content goes, like you know digital Shadowverse content. He's like the guy. So I've been watching him for a long time, so it's it's cool that I'll, I get to work with uh, Ignidius. He seems like a really, really, really like cool dude. And then um, Different Fight is going to be there doing casting and coverage for um, Cardfight Vanguard. 
And different fight is also a card gaming YouTuber who seems like a really, really nice dude. I've been watching a lot of his content recently, so uh, it'll be great to meet him. And uh, I know he in particular, he speaks English, but also he speaks Japanese very well and he lives in Japan. So um, maybe like, uh, you know, hanging out with him a little bit and going to like dinner or lunch will be great. So I can Get some yeah. recommendations to what to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some folks in my discord who are from Japan actually uh, dropped some recommendations already. Someone this morning wrote me like a giant paragraph of of uh, stuff to do in like in, uh, in uh, Akihabara. So, yeah, it's cool. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm pretty nervous. This is my first time traveling by myself to a foreign country that I've never been to before with a language that I don't speak. Um, so I'm nervous on that level, <laughs> but I'm also very excited. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that'll yeah. be a really cool. cool trip. I'm excited for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then before that, I, don't, I keep forgetting to mention that. Before that, on the January 20th, I'm going to be going to the, the last chance qualifier in LA for Shadowverse Evolve. Not as casting coverage, but still as like a media guest, I guess you could say. Um, but I will be playing in the event. So it's going to be good prep for the cool. worlds. But nice. How about you guys? Anything, oh. anything in your back pocket? Uh, not really, not for me. I'm basically just in holiday mode personally. So yeah, there's, uh, yeah. that's the, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. That's the MO at the moment is just exactly the same really, mate, to be honest, just, uh, just chilling out, probably eating and drinking much more than uh, what I should be. Um, mm. but, um, but Hey, that's what, this, that's what these, these sort of seasons are all about, I guess. Just eating and drinking, uh, for a lot of people. Um, just uh just yeah just meeting up with friends and family and doing some doing some stuff but um but yeah it'd be interesting to see what happens next year with flesh and blood and how the sets are how the sets are received obviously heavy hitters is going to be a parallel to outsiders as we've already discussed um similar sort of vibes coming out of that set and uh can't wait to see what other sets are going to be next year as well and what other products there might be as well because obviously we've had mm -hmm. a few other products here and there so it could be interesting to see if there's anything else apart from the draftable um and the other sets as to if there's anything else coming out as well so yeah I, time. i'm really hoping for some exciting sets next year uh i'm not saying that bright bright lights and dust on weren't exciting but for me personally they were some like two back-to-back -back sets that i can kind of just check out of um that like yeah. there's there's some kind of cool stuff here or there but they're they didn't give me the same kind of like involvement entrenchment that outsiders and like uprising and even even like dynasty did so i'm hoping i can we can have more sets like that next year that i can feel like you know, invested in because mm -hmm. I didn't really feel invested in the last two sets, even though I didn't, I didn't hate them. Like, I don't think they're bad. It's just, I don't know, for whatever reason, uh, maybe it's just because I don't play mech as much. Maybe it's because I don't play um, the shadow or the light stuff as much. I just didn't feel like that level of investment that I normally do. Um, yep. We've discussed this at length on a previous podcast with the hero problem, you know, how you can get attached to certain heroes, certain classes. And if the it's like, have, what you want then it's not even it, it's it's kind of like that but it's not even that because other sets that i don't have so like i think a good example is uprising i don't play a lot of ninja or wizard or illusionist but i still really liked uprising and i was very really invested in it because it had heroes uh that i could potentially get into 
So like I did build a fight deck. I built an Icelander deck. Yeah, and I bit I did a one of my most popular video videos is a Dromai deck, deck tech that I did. Yep. Um but I really didn't feel that level of attachment to either Dusteldon or or Bright Lights where I was like, oh I wanna build all these things and do all this stuff. So that's what I'm hoping next year we can have some sets that I personally can really get into like that. I feel like if if they do a mysterious set, I would probably be very, very into that. Um yeah. and yeah, so Heavy hitters on the horizon. This is a good segue to the end of the video because our next video, we're likely going to be talking about all of the new uh, heavy hitters heroes released recently. We we saw a new yep. warrior hero. I have heard rumblings that we'll see a new brute hero within the next couple days. And so by the yep. time we record our podcast, we'll be able to talk about all of them. So in the next yep. episode, uh, we're likely going to be talking about a bunch of heavy hitters, news heroes and all of that kind of good stuff. And maybe see if, uh, Maybe see if it's on our on its way to, to sparking joy within me personally, at least. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, you know, I'm, I'm sure like there's a ton of people who are really, are really stoked about it already. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I am. I, like I was just saying, I'm, I'm very interested in seeing what what is in store for Brute. I, yeah. I have some thoughts on heavy hitters. I think it looks like a really cool draft set, but two of the new heroes that we've seen so far look like they have very, oh, what's the right word for it? I'm not sure if parasitic mechanic is the right word for it, but they both have hero abilities that care about a keyword introduced in the set. And I can't help but yeah. wonder if this is the only place we ever see that keyword. If these heroes in particular don't have much legs in regards to support over time. So I don't know. We'll see. I have some thoughts on that. We'll, we'll talk about that maybe next week when we go over the heroes. But yeah, something I've been thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, uh, you should probably buy your cash-ins if you want to play uh, Olympia because bro likes to cash cash stuff in. Just saying. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, with yeah. that said, I think we can probably wrap it up. And um, okay. let's go reverse, reverse order as... Uh, where can people find you? Yeah, so uh, if you would so desire. So my name's Az from Go Again Gaming YouTube channel. Um, probably the shittest YouTube channel on the internet. Um, but um, hey ho, it's good not, fun. And, not even uh, in like the top fifty shittest channels. I'm sorry. Top, exactly. Yeah. Fifty percent. Uh, I mean, fifty percent existing. Um, I, I I made sixty pounds this year from monetization on YouTube. Some massive amount amount of money, uh, <laughs> um, so uh, but yeah, so uh, that's yeah, going in gaming, and then uh, on uh, Twitter and socials is going in gaming AZ, where uh, a lot of my thoughts go as and when I think of them. I like to post them. Um, that's it, really. That's it. So I'll throw it over to nice. whoever's next. Bill. Uh, yeah, that's that'll be me. <laughs> I'm uh, Bill from the Spike Feeders. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, and other social media websites at BillTSF. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube at the Spike Feeders Fab, where we do live edited gameplay content. Uh, and if that's something that interests you, you should definitely go check us out. We have our most recent one is a uh, UPF video, and we also have uh, our Goliath Gauntlet series with, uh, I believe, Jay and Elliot are currently battling it out. Um, so always worth checking that out if that's something that interests you. Yeah. yeah. You should check it out. Um, 
And I'm Kel, also known as Red Zone Rogue. You can find me everywhere at Red Zone Rogue. Um, mostly on YouTube, but also, you know, like Twitter and, uh, and other stuff like that. I cover, I do fl uh, weekly Flesh and Blood videos as well as weekly Grand Archive and Shadowverse Evolve videos, plus extra stuff here and there. Because um, I like card games and I like talking about card games. So uh, expect a little, a little bit of a variety there. But uh, for the Flesh and Blood people who really only want to watch Flesh and Blood, at least a video a week, maybe sometimes more, depends on how much news we have to talk about. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Thanks you all so much for watching, hanging out with us today. Let us know what your favorite cards of the year are down below and why they are uh, five copies of Warmonger's Diplomacy. And um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks again. See you, folks. Cheers. Bye. Five copies of Warmongers. Oh, Five copies. That.